This is Dr. Hassan Galadari from the UAE University. This is Dialogues in Dermatology. And I've got the honor of having our guest here, Dr. Zakia Rahman, which is a clinical associate professor in Stanford University in Palo Alto. And what we're going to be talking today about is the effect of social media and its impact on our practice. Dr. Rahman, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So social media, it's just like it's something that's booming out there. A lot of people are using it. A lot of people are utilizing it, not just in terms of showcasing themselves off, but also kind of knowing where to go in terms of practice or different treatments that are available for them. How do you find how social media has changed the way that you practice? Or have you noticed that you've had more patience because of the use of your social media platform? These all bring up really interesting points and questions. So it turns out that about 41% of the world's 7 point, almost 6 billion people use social media. So that's a very large percentage of people. That's nearly half of them. Yes, absolutely. And in the U.S., it's even more. Okay. So the advent of these mobile technologies and social technologies has really changed the way that we interact with the world and certainly how we interact with our patients. Okay. I think I see this particularly being in Silicon Valley at Stanford because I interact with patients and socially with people who build these platforms. So we talk about social media. What are examples of these platforms that we're mentioning here? So the two biggest platforms for social media are Facebook and Google. So Facebook actually owns Instagram as well as WhatsApp, and Google owns YouTube. So those are the biggest that are in the U.S. and probably throughout the world. Okay, so these are the different platforms. And in terms of like, you know, having patients come into your practice, do you use social media yourself? I mean, is this something, a common thing that you kind of put out there for your patients? I definitely use social media. It would be interesting for me to talk about it, not use social media myself. I use Facebook mostly for social reasons and personal reasons, although recently there's been a board-certified dermatology Facebook group, which is very active. But professionally, I use LinkedIn, and I really like it. I find that it's higher quality, even if it's not higher quantity. Right. So LinkedIn, the way that I look at LinkedIn is that it's more of a business kind of platform. If you want to get employed, or if you're looking for a job, or if you're an employer and you're looking for an employee, like a nurse maybe, or an associate, you look through LinkedIn. So that impacts the business aspect of things. But how about in terms of like reaching out to your patients? So you probably have used Facebook more. It's interesting. So LinkedIn was initially a platform mostly for job searches, but it turns out that it's a platform where we can connect our expertise with education. Okay. Unlike Twitter or Instagram, where we may not be able to tell the actual expertise, LinkedIn shows our expertise, our education, and links that with the posts that we have that can be educational. So this is one of your favorites, I guess, I'm assuming. It is. It's the one that I use most. Excuse my ignorance in that sense. Do we follow you on LinkedIn or do we have to ask for a request to kind of follow you? How does that work? So you can connect with someone on LinkedIn. However, LinkedIn also curates the content that comes up on the feed. So Newsfeed, which Facebook initially came up with, has been adopted by a lot of the platforms. So each time that you interact, there's new things that come up on your feed. Okay. In that sense, that's one thing. But then you have the use of social media in terms of interacting with your patients. You mentioned interaction, and obviously LinkedIn is a huge thing for you, but a lot of all the other dermatologists that I look at, and even here at the academy, they've got like Instagram, hashtag your photo, and so forth. And I'm seeing a lot of patients use that to know where 
to go or which doctor to kind of see. Do you use Instagram? Is it popular with you? I don't. I don't personally use Instagram. I don't have an account. I have checked and seen other people's Instagram. Okay. It's important to know that quantity does not always equal quality. Okay. So just because someone has a large number of followers doesn't mean that always translates to getting patients. Okay, so that brings me to a very important point. So, I mean, a lot of people, as you rightfully said, I mean, they have a lot of followers. And then you have like this professor who's like a huge luminary and you hear him in all different meetings talking about all the recent clinical trials and he doesn't even probably know what social media is. So now the population has changed, especially now the younger population, the way that they search for different doctors or if they want to seek treatment, they look at these social media platforms. Do you think it's important for us to showcase what we do or showcase our practice in a sense? Social media is definitely used differently amongst different populations. So a lot of the younger millennial and more youthful people use it in different ways, but they're not the ones who necessarily have the buying power that older people have. They also use social media, but in different ways. And I think one of the most confusing things is the difference between an expert and an influencer. Exactly. So we may have the expertise, but do we have the influence? and? companies or products that want to have a voice may choose influencers and may not choose experts. And it's very confusing for the consumer. It's even confusing for us doctors. So what should we do? I mean, as a patient now, I mean, like, I don't know who the expert is. I mean, I have an Instagram account. I'm searching hashtag, say, for example, filler or beauty or cosmetic dermatology. How do I know that Dr. X is better than Dr. Y? Because this person has 100,000 followers, while the other one probably has 500. So how can I tell as a patient? It is very difficult. It's very difficult as a patient. And so I think that's why platforms like LinkedIn that actually link it to one's credentials are more beneficial. But as we have a deluge of information, we understand that information and knowledge are two very different things. And it can be really hard to have a voice when there's so many other voices to drown out potentially a voice of education or reason or information. Okay, that's one thing. So let's try to move out from that side and let's bring it to another point of view. So say, for example, and it seems that LinkedIn is probably one of your favorite social media platforms. What if a patient reaches out to you and asks you a question or asks for a consultation? So do you reply back? I mean, how does that work? There's a lot of medical legal implications to offering medical advice online. However, we've all seen patients who've consulted with Dr. Google before they come to see us. That's true. So they'll sometimes come and say, this is my diagnosis and this is the treatment that I want. And so I try personally to let my patients know that the information that they have may not equate to knowledge. My hope is to work with them. So in many ways, we're working more collaboratively with our patients, which is good. I think that will increase compliance. So if a patient sends a picture of their rash and tells you, Dr. Rahman, I've got a rash, would you reply and tell them what this rash could be? Or would you just tell them, come see me in my clinic? There are implications to giving medical advice online. It's not protected. The patient's information isn't protected and you can be held liable for the information you give. However, that's something that people do all the time on sites like Real Self. They post photographs and physicians provide Answer questions, exactly. Okay. So you consider this more or less like a corridor kind of consultation? Is like something you pass by and you give an advice? or Because it's not legally binding or is it legally binding? So I personally would prefer to see the patient in person because as we know, 3D evaluation of a patient in person is very different than a 2D image. So 
I personally see them, but I know a lot of other dermatologists may want to engage patients. Exactly. And it's hard to know how many of those 2 million followers or 2,000 followers are actually going to translate to patients and what those patients are coming in for. Okay, you're providing me with a lot of things for me to ask you about. So that's one thing of things, talking about this. So what is the difference, for example, between social media platforms and then teledermatology? Because, you know, teledermatology also, you're not seeing the patient face-to-face, and a lot of people kind of mistake the differences between the two of them. They don't know what the differences are. So how is that different? Teledermatology platforms, they can be social or they cannot be social. So... You know, we could get into a little bit of like web 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. And so basically the difference is, is it a one-way interaction? Is it a two-way interaction? Or does a two-way interaction lead to a third interaction? And so that's how we differentiate those three things. There are teledermatology platforms that help dermatologists connect with patients for diagnostic and therapeutic purposes. One of the issues is compensation, and two is the medical legal implications is... How are we protected, diagnosing people when we've only seen a certain percentage of their skin? So that's in the teledermatology aspect? Yes. And in social media, you're not even considering it as part of a factor there? No, I think that they are related. So I think, of course, patients ask all the time what to do. Right. And so they post photographs of them all the time. Right. I mean, the way that I look at this, I mean, especially because, you know, a lot of teledermatology advocates, what they tell me, they say that teledermatology is different because there's an actual contract between the doctor and the patient. And whatever it is, and this is like a consultation that's happening either through an AV platform or so forth, and it's not actually happening in a public domain. But, you know, a lot of these social media platforms are not even just public. You can also go through private messaging. But for them, there's no contract there. So I think that's a huge issue. And as we know from the data on Snapchat is that we think what may disappear doesn't actually disappear. Right. So we have to be aware that things that are digitized and searchable can stay on search for a very long time. Okay, so what's your advice on terms of like, you know, for example, if a person wants to start off using social media, whether they want to promote their practice or whether they want to promote themselves, you seem that you're very professional in terms of the LinkedIn aspects, but what would you do for these young individuals who are already using Instagram? Would you recommend them continuing or choosing something else? I have this conversation with our Stanford residents all the time, and most of them being younger use Instagram and they often come to me because they say look at this person who's claiming to be a skin expert and they have all these Instagram followers and they're giving misinformation and so I just let them know understand that your role is to educate and provide the best care to your patients okay and even if you don't have the highest number of followers don't have this social media anxiety these platforms are built to deliver us a drug, right? We get hits of dopamine and it's very profitable for the platforms that build these technologies. And yet, there's also a lot of evidence that the more people engage with these platforms, the less likely they are to engage with people in real life. So there's health and psychological impacts for this too. And it seems that you mentioned dopamine. I mean, I've noticed a lot of people actually feel that If they get a like on their Instagram or like the number of likes that they get makes them feel better, makes them, you know, feel more popular. So, I mean, I don't know if that's, but a like does not really translate, as you said before, into a patient walking into the door. And what I'm afraid of is that it actually might have a negative effect in terms of like these patients might have certain issues or certain adverse events of a certain, of something that you told them that 
but you, because you could not even look at them in the right way. So that's the reason why they absolutely. Then there. there are people who are ready and willing to give them misinformation, and we see this particularly for our resident laser and aesthetic clinic. As people come in and they're following the latest trend on social media and what the concept of beauty is. Okay. And so oftentimes they'll come in and demand a certain treatment may not be the right thing for them. So you mentioned the concept of beauty, and have you noticed that it has changed because of the use of social media? Absolutely. There's a lot of evidence that social media has changed the ideas and ideals of beauty. In many ways, it's a good thing because that was a very narrow definition, and so we've expanded that. There are a lot more people that we think are normal and beautiful, but then there's the other extreme, which is that people are, have a lot of pressure to look perfect, which is really unattainable. How so? How has beauty changed because of the social media? Well, we're exposed to a lot more images in our life. So the number of images that we're exposed to in a month is equivalent to what people are exposed to in an entire lifetime at the turn of the last century. So we're constantly getting these images of what we should look like. I recommend people watch this YouTube video by Jean Kilborn called Killing Us Softly. Uh -huh. And so she talks about the images of women and marketing towards women, and that's really led to increased rates of anxiety, eating disorders, and so we know that there's some negative effects to these images that we're exposed to. How about in terms of monetizing social media? I mean, doctors using social media in a way to monetize, especially YouTube. I mean, you have a lot of doctors who use shock value therapy, whether they're popping things on the person's face or skin or so forth, and they've got like, I don't know how many million followers, and they actually can monetize this. What is that ethical in a sense? It's hard to have a voice when there's such a deluge, and I think people often have to show extreme hyperbole mm -hmm. to get attention. And so that cycle actually gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And it turns out that the majority of us only have an attention span of about eight seconds. So who knows who's still listening to this. And so because of that short attention span, people feel like they need to show something that's really outrageous. And same thing with news. But I would caution against that because that's not really the best thing for our patients. And it's not based on the expertise that we have. All right. So, well, in about eight seconds or less, what are your final advice? Or, like, what are the take-home messages here? Or, like, what, how, what would you tell young individuals who want to start off or someone who's never had any social media experience? You can have more than eight seconds. So I think it's important to know that the loudest voices or the ones with the most followers aren't necessarily the ones that are translating to mm -hmm. actual patient care. So not having anxiety about that continuing to engage, but make sure you're not spending more time on social media than you are actually taking care of patients or learning dermatology, because that's still expertise that is valuable. So I think focusing on that will eventually lead to best outcomes for yourself and your patients. Excellent. Dr. Rahman, thank you so much for being a part of this, and you get fantastic and valuable advice. Thank you so much.